Welcome to T4C, Truth for the Church. This is David Porter, and I'm excited to have you with me for yet again another episode. Uh, I think we've got a great topic today, and I'm excited to get into it. Uh, it's Tis the Season, Why Christmas Matters. Uh, there's some people who believe that Christmas matters to the Christian, and it should matter. Other people think it's pagan, and we shouldn't have any any dealings with it. And so I really am excited to talk about uh, not only the traditions and the origins surrounding Christmas, but also to get into, you know, what the scripture actually says and, and how us Christians should really respond and interact uh, with Christmas. Uh, so, you know, let's go ahead and let's start talking about it. Um, the biggest controversy is basically around the idea of this holiday for Christmas. Um, you know that the word Christmas originally came from Christ Mass and there are uh, different perspectives on there about how we should how we should interact with the Christmas season or Advent. Um, you know, it's a fairly new development within the last 200 years or so, uh, you know, with the things such as the developments like the Christmas trees or the gift giving. Those things weren't prominent in the early church. Um, actually, birthdays or celebrating the birthdays of martyrs were actually frowned upon. And actually, they put more honor in celebrating the death of a martyr than they did the birth of that martyr. So some of the church fathers actually frowned upon these traditions. Um, but I don't really think that matters as much. I don't really think that matters as much. And we'll get to the scripture in just a minute. Um, but let's just go ahead and talk about it. So, you know, for some some people, you know, December 25th is... Um, you know, is connected with the birthday of the sun god Mithra. You know, it was a pagan deity and it was big in the Roman Empire during the first few centuries. Um, you know, it was connected to the sun god and so it became sun worship. Um, and, and so you have you have this Roman pagan uh, festival feast tradition surrounding whether that was Mithra or you also have Saturn and the rebirth of the sun god during the winter solstice period. So a, a lot of the, the, the priest and the, you know, the temple and the just just ungodly things went on during this time period around Christmas time. And, you know, many people shy away or don't want to have anything to do with the holiday of Christmas because they are connecting Christmas to those roots, um, to those pagan roots, if you will. And uh, that's perfectly their right. Um, but from a biblical perspective, it actually doesn't matter whether you decide to celebrate Christmas or not. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I have had conversations with Christians and some Christians go all out, you know, some, some, so, so they, 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 they do everything. They're into Santa. They're into, you know, Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph. They're into the entire thing. And then you have and Christmas trees, all of that. And then you have other Christians who are more like the Jehovah Witnesses, like, oh, no, we don't do that. And there's almost an elitism about it, which is not biblical. But there is this idea that, you know, that's idol worshiping. And we, we don't do that because that's that's not godly. You know, the Bible says thou shalt have no other gods before, you know, and they they go down this ramp. But I want to I want to let's go to the word of God and allow the scripture to tell us. Now, I'm going to read today 
because this scripture, I think, comes out really clearly in the Holman Christian Standard Bible. So I'm going to read from that today uh, with this particular scripture. I'm going to Romans chapter 14. And so we're going to talk about this for just a little bit as it relates to the controversy on Christmas. All right. And the Bible is really clear. All right. So I'm not going to start at verse number. I'm going to start at verse number five. Verse number five says one person considers one day to be above another day. Someone else considers every day to be the same. Okay, now this is Paul who's preaching here, and he's giving God's God's will for how we should interact with each other. And the, the, the subtopic here is the law of liberty. There is freedom. Jesus abolished the law. He abolished the standards. We don't have to do law keeping anymore. We obey his commandments out of love and gratitude towards him. But notice, Paul immediately establishes here that people see things differently. That's what he's saying. One person sees certain days, I don't know, like a birthday, like Christmas, like Easter, above other days. All right? And then it says someone else doesn't see the world that way. They see every day is the same. God, you know, God made that sun to come up and go down on that day. You shouldn't treat it any differently. He does not. Here's the point. Paul does not condemn either person. So why is it that us Christians do that? We tend to do that. Oh, you don't do this? Oh, well, we do that. Oh, well, well, you do that? Oh, well, we don't do this. Right? And and the scripture is really clear on this. Paul says, hey, people see things differently. Look what it says next. Next, next part of that verse says, each one must be fully convinced in his own mind. Which means Paul says, hey, if you're fully convinced in your mind, it doesn't matter. All right, let's keep going. Whoever observes the day, observe it for the honor of the Lord. Whoever eats, eats for the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. And whoever does not eat, it is for the Lord that he does not eat it, yet he thanks God. For none of us lives, notice now, now it changes to us, okay? For none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. You notice how Paul expands it and says, hey, man, this is really about who we're living for. Don't get caught up in the nuances of whether somebody puts a wreath or a Christmas tree in their house or not. Don't get caught up. Is that person living for the Lord? Are they living for the Lord? Are they dying for the Lord? He said, that's what it's about. We all believe in Jesus. We all believe that we can that we can, you know, have freedom to express our love for God in different ways. And we're going to be convinced differently. But he says, hey. You're living unto the Lord. I'm living unto the Lord. Then let's live unto the Lord and let the other stuff fall in the fray. Okay. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and came to life for this, that he might rule over both the dead and the living. But you, why do you criticize your brother? Or you, why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before the tribunal of God. Very powerful scripture. I think that kind of sums it up. There's nothing wrong. Don't get me wrong. We should, we need to know the origins of of Christmas. Um, this is a little caveat, but I'm, I went on a spell um, probably a year and a half to two years ago, and I got so upset at weddings. 
because I begin to look into the origins of weddings and wedding rings and why do we cut the cake and who came up with these vows and where are they from and who, okay, it's in the common book of prayer. Well, who wrote it and why is it in there? And is it, it's not in scripture. I don't see vows. And I went down this rabbit hole of judgment towards other people. You don't even care. You don't even, well, hold on. Are they living for the Lord? Are they getting married to give glory to God? Okay, well then what, <laughs> right? We can get so caught up in traditions. We can get so caught up in things that really don't matter to the Lord. And like you said, like like, like the scripture says here, we can end up criticizing and honestly it's self-righteousness. We can start looking down on people because we're convicted or convinced of something that someone else is not. Right. So if it's if it's in the Bible, then let's talk about what's in the Bible. But this scripture is here for a reason. And so they were having issues with Sabbath. They were having issue with with some, you know, you know, if you read the book of Acts, you'll see that all over the place. The Jews and the Gentiles and in the book of Galatians, we see we see this tension all throughout the text of of, you know, different people groups, different perspectives, different socioeconomic status. James talks about that. Why do you treat the rich different? I mean, they're, they're constantly having these issues. And and what the word of God does is puts us all on the same playing field and says, hey, don't don't look down. Don't just don't do that. You're convicted your way. They're convicted their way. But if we're all believing this same Bible, we're all believing in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Let that go. If they don't want to eat, if they don't want to eat meat, they don't have to eat meat. If you feel like you want to eat meat, you can eat meat. If they don't want to celebrate Christmas, they don't have to celebrate Christmas. Stop looking down on them because they don't. If you celebrate Christmas and someone else doesn't, you know, vice versa. So I think that's a really important point. And that should, you know, kind of squash that, you know, that that debate or that that contention that we have in the church. So that's a little bit about, you know, some of the issues that people have as far as the origins of Christianity. But now let's get into the, the purpose of Christianity. Uh, excuse me, not Christianity, Christmas. You know, that, that was some of the origins with Christmas and why people don't like it. Let's get now into, you know, the reason why people um why, why Christians should celebrate Christmas. And that's because the fulfillment of prophecy, the fulfillment of prophecy. Everything that's in the Old Testament is pointing towards Jesus. It's pointing towards Jesus being a savior, being a redeemer, the Messiah being uh, someone who fulfills the word of God. And so the reason I believe it's important for us to take time out. No, we know Jesus was not actually born December the 25th. But I think it's important to take time to commemorate and to draw special attention to the birth of Jesus Christ. Because he is the fulfillment of prophecy. He is what the prophets foretold. And so when we look back through thousands of years of, of history and we see this common thread woven together in the scriptures that only God could do, only Yah could do this, only God could weave together all these different writers over all these different time periods and through the Bronze Age and the Iron Age and through different people conquest and, you know, different regions from the Babylonian to Persian to all these, all the amazing Greek and different languages, only God. And they all say the same thing. They all say they're all pointing to the same direction. So the Christmas season is not about Santa Claus. It's not about Rudolph. 
You know, it's not about it's not about what the world does. The world has tried to secularize Christmas and make it about Santa and the sleigh. And and so as believers, um, for those of us who are celebrating Christmas, we need to make sure that especially if you have families or, or children, we need to make sure that we're stressing the importance of Bible prophecy and how the entire church and the hope of the human race is hinged upon the fulfillment of Bible Bible prophecy, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all because Jesus did what he promised he was going to do. It's all because the word of God is true and righteous altogether. It's all because God did what he said he was going to do, that he took, he used the mouth of all kinds of people, wicked people, evil people, and God used those men who were filled with sin. God spoke through those men and shared with the world what he was going to do, and God ended up doing it. So I want to go through just a few Bible prophecies um, and, and, and see the fulfillment of it, because I think it's unique. And this is honestly something that I believe the church has not done a good enough job doing. I believe the church has not stressed the, the reality that Bible prophecy is the reason why we are all here. All right, so let's start in Genesis chapter 3, because Genesis chapter 3 is where sin is first introduced into the world. Sin is introduced through the into the world by man and woman, uh, Adam and his wife. You know, the wife ate of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then Adam followed suit. They sinned against God. And when they did this, the consequence of that was death. But in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the Lord made a prophecy. And the Lord said this uh, to the woman in verse 15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman. He's talking to the serpent here. And between thy seed and her seed. Now, women don't have seed. Men carry seed. Women have an egg. But here he's already prophesying that the Messiah would be the seed of the woman, i.e. a virgin birth. Because a man has seed, a woman doesn't have seed. But he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Okay, so so that first scripture there, you know, is something that we see. All right, and then you see the, the culmination or the fulfillment of that prophecy in scriptures like Romans chapter 16, verse 20, that says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Or uh, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4, that says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. Okay, so so you have these scriptures that are the the culmination uh, and the fulfillment of the prophecy that God has spoken. So let's go on to the next one, the virgin birth. The virgin birth is from the prophet Isaiah. He says it in uh, Isaiah chapter seven, verse number 14. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
Now, this is roughly around 400 years before Jesus Christ was born. This is historical. This is part of the problem about Christianity in some spaces. And, and you know, I grew up kind of with this, this understanding that faith is not fact. Okay, I kind of grew up with this understanding that we have blind faith, which means we just believe in God just because. But there's no reason to believe in God. We believe in God because of his power, but we don't believe in God because he's actually proven himself. Right. That we just believe in an experience. But but and we know the experience is true, but it's not validated by anything. And that's not true. That's that's completely wrong. We believe in God not only because of what we've experienced, but we believe in what God uh, has said in his word because we have seen him be faithful to his word. We have seen God fulfill his word. God said, I'm going to do this. And then a few hundred years later, God does it. That's that's why. That's the whole point of scripture. So what ties the Old Testament and the New Testament together, what ties the Old Covenant and the New Covenant together, what ties uh, uh, salvation and redemption you know, together is Jesus Christ. And that was prophesied in the Old Testament and it was fulfilled in the New Testament. And that's what the Bible is. It's seeing God in the Old Testament and and seeing God promising a redeemer, promising a savior, promising all these things. And then we see the fulfillment of that promise in the birth, the life, the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's the New Testament. And so that understanding was not something that I got growing up. But I thank the Lord that through his grace, he has given me an understanding and given me teachers who are along the way who have been able to help me realize that. Right. So we're not we're not just preaching any all right. We're not just saying, you know, God is good or we're not just saying I believe in God and I believe God created everything. But what's the point? What's the point in believing in Jesus? What's the point in Christianity? Well, he's our salvation. Man was hurled into a world of sin and the consequence of that sin was death and eternal separation from God. But God in his grace and mercy sent us a savior. He sent his own begotten son, right? This is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. We have everlasting life, believing on the name of Jesus Christ. When we believe in who God sent, this is really important. We must believe on who God has sent to redeem the world from sin. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what Bible prophecy is for. Bible prophecy is the foundation of the revelation of God. And Jesus is the final revelation of God. He's the final prophet. Some people don't want to believe or adhere to that. But the Bible says this clearly in Hebrews chapter one, God who in past times, King James Version says sundry times, and in different ways or diverse manners spoke unto us in times past by the prophet. God spoke to us in times past by his prophets. But the Bible says in these last days, He has now spoken unto us by his son. The work, the the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is from God. God sent Jesus to die on the cross. And I mean, I'm getting excited just thinking about it. 
This is what Christianity is. I, and and it's, 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 it's a spiritual thing that we have to grasp, but it's, it's real. It's, it's tangible. This actually happened. This is not a fable. This is not a story. This is what actually happened. And this is what prophecy shows us. Prophecy shows us this is for real. This really happened. There really was a man named Isaiah who really did live. And this man really did write down and prophesy that according to the word of Yahweh, according to the word of the most high God, that there would come a Messiah. There would come a savior and his name will be called wonderful counselor, prince of peace, everlasting God. There will be a Messiah. And so it's incredible that now we get the blessed reality that, that we get to see that Jesus Christ actually did come. He's a real person in history. And this is what Bible prophecy is. Bible prophecy shows us who Jesus really is. All right, now let me read you something from the New Testament. I'm gonna read you something from the book of John because Jesus says this about, about uh, Bible prophecy, okay? This is John chapter... 5 and verse number 24. This is Jesus. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me. Jesus says, if you believe my word, then you believe God. That's what he says. He that heareth my word and believe on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but has passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. All right. So, so the point here is that Jesus Christ was sent by God, but he was foretold by God in the Old Testament. Then he was sent by God in the New Testament. Okay, and so that's, I used to look at the Old Testament and the New Testament almost as two books, but they're they're not. There's one story that's woven together. And so all throughout uh, places, let's go on and let's, let's look at some more Bible prophecy, some more things that God did through the course of human history to reveal to us that Jesus Christ was coming. Here's another one. The Messiah would be the descendant of David. That's another prophecy. Okay, another prophecy is that the Messiah would be the descendant of David. All right, and this is going to come from 2 Samuel, and it's going to be chapter number 7, and we'll look at verses 12 through 16. All right, and this is what it says, And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. Y'all notice that word seed, right? Just like seed of a woman. Okay, so this is, this is what the Lord is telling David. Verse 13, he shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom. How long? Forever. I will be his father. He shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house 
and thy kingdom shall be established, how long? Forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. Okay, so Nathan the prophet, once again now, see this is prophecy. Nathan the prophet spoke this to King David and said, I'm going to establish a kingdom from your seed, from your lineage, and it's going to be established forever. Well, who's that talking about? It's not talking about a human being because a human being, just a mere mortal man, cannot live forever. But rather, it's talking about the Messiah is going to come and his reign, there'll be no end to it. All right. So now the first chapter in the first verse of the book of Matthew, remember, Matthew is the gospel, right? Now, the, the gospels weren't arranged, on the, nor, nor the books in the Bible, they're not arranged in chronological order. Um, but they're arranged as the church fathers thought the matter of importance was. So it's very interesting and, and appropriate, in my belief, that the book of Matthew is the first book in the gospel, because here's what the first verse says. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Well, why is that important? Matthew starts off giving a genealogy to show what? To show that Jesus Christ is in the lineage, right? In the lineage of David, the house of David, the family line of David. Jesus Christ is a descendant of David. And it's showing that to legitimize the claims that will later be made about Jesus. Matthew is a Jew. Levi is a Jew. And he is writing to Jews to show them, hey, Jesus is the Messiah. And it starts because, remember what the prophet Nathan foretold, that there would be a descendant of the house of David and the kingdom would be established forever? Well, Jesus is of the house of You understand? Jesus is of the house of David. That's how it starts. The first verse of, of Matthew 1 says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So he's saying, hey, he fulfills prophecy. That's, that's what he's saying. He has fulfilled. And then, he, then he goes through all the families from Abraham and shows this covenant that God established with Abraham, this covenant that we see established with David, it has been fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, part of the reason that believers get shaken up in their walk with God is because they do not really know why they believe what they believe. Why do we celebrate Christmas? I don't know. We just celebrate the birth of Jesus. Well, that's true. We do celebrate the birth of Jesus, but it's so much more than just that. We're celebrating the fact that the birth of Jesus reveals that God has sent a Messiah. God has sent, not a Messiah, excuse me, the Messiah. God has sent the Savior of the world. And, and it has come to pass. So, so Bible prophecy is very important. And I, can, I can't stress this enough. If, if any of you are out there and you've got children, you've got families, they're never too young to start learning this. I saw a post from H.B. Charles, uh, a tweet from H.B. Charles yesterday. He retweeted a, a pastor and he said, you know, the kids are learning algebra and all these other, they're learning other languages in high school and middle school. What makes you think they can't learn theology? We need to be teaching this to our youth, okay? So, so it's very important for us 
to know these things. All right, let's look at another. Uh, let's see if we can find another scripture about that. Um, Hebrews chapter one, verse five. It says, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Or, or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. Right. So this is this was the book of Hebrews was written also to Jews, but it was revealing well, Jesus isn't like the angels because God would never say that to an angel. But he would say that to his to a son. Right. This is once again, Second Samuel 14. That's where it's quoting. It says, I will be his father and he shall be my son. OK. And of course, we know Jesus did not commit iniquity, but Jesus took on the iniquity of the world. He took on the iniquity of the world and was punished as a sinner, though he was not found to be in sin at any way or shape or form. All right, let's move on. So that that's one, uh, a descendant of David. All right, here's another, here's another prophecy, another Bible prophecy. A Messiah would be born, excuse me, I keep saying uh instead of the. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. That's another scripture. Uh, Micah chapter five, verse two. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah from you. Notice he's talking to Bethlehem now from you shall come forth for me. One who is to be ruler in Israel, who's coming forth. Listen, is from old. Where's what's that mean? Well, it's not talking about a regular human, is it? But you, O Bethlehem, Right. Who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. Oh, you're nothing. You're nothing. I mean, you're from you're from Judah, but you're you're too little. You know, you're you're a speck in the dirt. Right. You're not you're not anything special. OK, you're not a prominent place. Right. And, and then it says from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Now, that ancient days doesn't connect, but it will later when we get to the son of man. OK, so it's saying, OK, this person is coming from God. He's coming from a place of eternity, from old, from ancient of days. That's a reference to God himself. That that's what's interesting about it, that that's a reference to Yah, to Yahweh or Yahuwah. This, that's a reference to the father. So he's coming from the father. Wow, that's a beautiful prophecy. He's coming from the father, but he will come out of Bethlehem. You, do you see the uniqueness in scripture? Now, you, you know, it was it was veiled or it was covered in the Old Testament. Nobody could know what that meant until it happened. But once it happened, then we get to see it. Then it's revealed. Right. All right. Matthew chapter two. Let's look at Matthew chapter two and let's look at the fulfillment of this prophecy. We'll start at verse number one. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Okay, so on and so forth. I'm not going to waste time reading any more about that, but that's the whole point. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. All right, so let's review. Look at all that we've already talked about, the prophecies, all over scripture, right? Not just one place, they're everywhere. From Genesis, the seed of a woman, Isaiah, the virgin birth, uh, 2 Samuel, the descendant of David, Micah, born in Bethlehem. Are we starting to see the pattern here? All these scriptures are pointing to the same thing. So you mean to tell me Micah is talking about a Messiah 
who's not connected to Samuel, who's talking about a Messiah, which is not connected to Moses, who authored Genesis, who is talking about a Messiah. And then Moses talks about another one, even though we're, we're focusing on the scriptures surrounding the actual birth. Right. We're we're focused on the prophecies related to today. We are the prophecies related to the birth of Jesus Christ. But there are other prophecies related to the life of Jesus Christ. Others related to the death of Jesus Christ. Others related to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right. So. So today we're just focusing on the ones that are about the life. uh, Excuse me, about the birth of Jesus Christ. All right. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to another one. Um. Here's a good one. A star coming out of Jacob. Now, who is Jacob? Jacob is the descendant of Abraham. And we know that Jacob wrestled with God and he was blessed and his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. All right. And the descendants, uh, as we know, became the 12 tribes of Jacob or the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, so uh, Messiah will be coming out and uh, of, of uh, uh, becoming out, it, re- it refers to Jesus as a star that's coming out of Jacob. Let's look at this. This is Numbers chapter 24. And we'll start. Let me see. Numbers chapter 24. I'll start at verse number 16. Now, this is the prophet Balaam. OK, it says he has said, which heard the words of God and knew the knowledge of the Most High, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. We caught that, right? So this is Balaam, and he's fallen into he's fallen into a trance, and God is speaking through Balaam, okay? It says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh or near. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. Okay, so we have another prophecy that says Jesus, not only will it be a descendant of David, uh, of course, and that's that's a given, but it's also before, this is before we get to the Davidic line, all right? This is this is before the kingdom of David is established. So this prophecy comes before, but it says out of the tribe, out of the family of Jacob, right? There's going to be a Messiah. There's going to be a Messiah that comes. All right, now let's look at uh, Matthew chapter two, verse two. You notice we're doing a lot of Matthew. This is the purpose of Matthew. Matthew was writing to Jews. And so Matthew was writing wanting to express the reality that Jesus is the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. All right, Matthew 2, verse 2 says, Who is he who has... Now, these are are the wise men. I read this scripture earlier to you. These were the wise men. I might as well go ahead and read verse 1 and put it together. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying... Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. All right, let me keep reading. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded them. Notice that. 
he they 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 were lost to it. They they weren't paying attention, right? He says he demanded them where Christ should be born, and they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, and the land of Judea art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. All right, so so we see that again, that connection uh, between uh, Jesus being born in Bethlehem, but now we see a star, right? And so this is this is where you get you know the song. It's not we know it's not three wise men. We know it was a caravan. It was probably many wise men, which makes more sense, especially considering the elaborate gifts that they had and the expensive gifts that they had for Jesus with the you know the gold and the frankincense and myrrh. So anyway, this is important scripture though because we see all of these prophecies that that Jesus is fulfilling. All right, let's look at let's look at uh, another one. Called out of Egypt. Jesus the Messiah would be called out of Egypt. Hosea chapter 11 verse number 1. All right, Hosea chapter 11 and verse number 1 and it's going to show us when Israel was my, was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. So God is speaking and he says he called his son. This Old Testament now. God says I called my son out of Egypt. All right. Well, guess guess what book we're going back to to see the fulfillment in the New Testament. Yep, that's right. Matthew chapter 2. Let's look at verse 13 through 15. Actually, I'll start in verse number 12. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod they departed to their own country another way. That's what the wise men did. God warned them. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod. Listen, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. What did Matthew say? Matthew said, hey, this guy is really the Messiah. He is God wrapped up in human flesh. How do I know it? Because he was born and then went to Egypt to fulfill the prophecy as the scripture says, I have called my son out of Egypt. What a God. Now, think about this. If you believe in these prophecies, there is no way that anybody could ever shake your faith. Now, once again, I'll reiterate, this is why I believe the Christmas season is so important to Christianity. Yes, we should celebrate Christmas all year long, and for most of us, we do. We don't make we might not sing "Heart the Hair and Angels Sing" uh, year round, but we we understand that celebrating Jesus includes God. Thank you so much for sending your Son Jesus Christ to come and live and and do ministry and 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 share the gospel and the kingdom of God and tell us to repent of our sins and thank you for dying on the cross and not staying dead but being raised from the grave on that third day right so we we believe in all of that but that's that's the thing we 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 praise the whole portrait of God year round 
right? We, we praise the whole portrait. But some of these, such as Easter and Christmas, are, are very important celebrations that I think the church should continue, not in tradition, but in the focus of it. Right. And the focus of it, we need to remember these things. We need to make sure that we know, you know, why we believe what we believe. Jesus was born in a man. You know, the, you know, he was born in a manger. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. But this is what's going to allow people to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is what's going to allow people to be rooted in sound doctrine. This is what's going to allow people to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, to grow in their love and reverence and respect towards the word of God and to see the wonder and the mystery of how a God could speak through all these different men in different languages and different time periods and different places and, and share and, and share in this collective, a collective uh, prophecy about one man who was fully God and fully man, Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. Let's, let's do one last, let's do, let's do one last prop. There's so many, but I just wanted to do a few surrounding his birth and who Jesus is. And, you know, th these are the things that need to be taught in Sunday school. These are the things that need to be taught in our Bible studies. These are the things that uh, if somebody has been going to Bible study for 10 years, and they've had 10 Advent seasons. They've had 10 Christmas seasons. So they, they went in at age, let's say age eight, and they get out at age 18. By the time they get to 18 and they get ready to go off into college, they get ready to, to, to go to or, you know, go, go start a career somewhere or whatever their plans are. When If they're going to leave that church and go find another church or start their own way. These are the things we need to have put into our children. Can't stress this enough because if, if we can't tell, the world is getting much, much darker. And when people try to come against Christianity and try to say that the Bible is not real, the Bible is not true, the Bible is just some document, it's just written by men. Listen, Bible prophecy squashes all of that. Oh, oh, it was written by men. Oh, you mean to tell me so a man wrote 400 years ago and this one wrote 1,200 years ago and this one wrote 600 years ago and this one wrote 1,500 years ago. Uh, no, it's not. And they need to be assured of that. And some, for us, this is going to build up our faith to make us more sure of what we believe and make us less afraid when we're having those dialogues with people. The Bible says we need to have an answer for the hope that lies within us. All right. So last one, last one that we'll do today is the Messiah would be the son of man. The Messiah would be the son of man. Some people have heard that phrase before, you know, we know son of God, God's son. We know that. But a lot of people don't know son of man. Son of man is actually a reference to the Messiah, but it's found in the book of Daniel. Many Jews actually reject the book of Daniel. And the reason they do is because the, the prophecy in Daniel is so unequivocally clear that if they were to accept the book of Daniel, they would have to immediately receive Jesus Christ uh, or, or profess that he is their Lord and Savior, which is why they don't. But the church, we know, the true church has received the book of Daniel as canon. And so we're going to look at this, Daniel chapter 7. And I, this is a vision that Daniel has. Now, I'm going to start verse number 9. Verse number 9 of Daniel 7, it says, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit. Y'all remember that from the earlier prophecy, right? When, when in Micah. 
I think it was Micah 5, 2, where he says, you know, I've called, remember, oh, little Bethlehem, I've called you, you know, out of you is going to come, but he's coming from the ancient of days. That is such a powerful scripture, because here it's describing the ancient of days as Yah, the father himself. Oh, I just get so excited. All right, let me finish reading this. I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth before him. Thousands, thousands ministered unto him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were open. I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Okay, here we go. We're getting to it now. Verse number 13. I saw in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. And there was given unto him. This is the son of man. There was given unto him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. Let me read that again. And there was given him Remember what I said, this is why those who are Jewish had to reject the book of Daniel because the book of Daniel made it so unequivocally clear who it was talking about. There was given him, him, dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. You remember in Philippians where it says, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is right? Is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, here it is. It's right here in Daniel. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Okay, so just to recap, you know, tis the season why Christmas matters. You know, we talked about the origin, you know, and we and, you know, some pagan origins do exist. You know, there's no reason to deny it there. You know, there's things about the winter solstice and what the Romans did with Mithra and the sun god and rebirth and all of that. But that doesn't matter because that's not why we celebrate it. You know, we celebrate it to, to commemorate Bible prophecy being true and to thank God for sending us salvation. Right. Sending us salvation in fully God, fully man, Jesus Christ, our Lord, Savior, Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, I'm going on, right? And and this prophecy is what what our faith should be rooted on. Now, this is this is very different than what a lot of people are being taught today. This has nothing to do with being wealthy. You notice that, right? This 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 scripture has nothing to do with, with God trying to make me rich. This has nothing to do with if I pray hard enough, God will remove cancer. Don't get me wrong. I believe God is a healer. But I'm making the point that what our faith should be built upon are not those things. Our faith should be built upon the reality that God has say has provided a means for salvation for his people. And that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And the uh, as the old hymn says, my, my, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. All right, guys. Well, that's all I have for today. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. I really have enjoyed this episode and uh, I would love to hear your thoughts about it. Um, So please give me feedback. Just reach out, interact with me on uh, social media and uh, God bless every one of you and uh, have a merry, merry Christmas. And I hope to see you uh, hopefully next week on our next podcast. Thank you.